Good evening, good evening. Let's get right into another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you doing? Doing all right. Doing okay. Today is a good day. Doc, I'm doing well. Up. I'm doing well. Got off the road. Birmingham, Alabama. Had a week to recover. Now I'm heading back Norfolk, Virginia. Went to Birmingham for the Swag Media Day and going to Norfolk, Virginia for the MEAC Media Day. So give me some of your thoughts on from the media days and just HBCUs in general. Definitely. Let's walk it backwards. The first media day kicked off with the SWAC last Friday on the 17th. Uh, that Monday on the 20th, you had the SIAC. And yesterday uh, on Thursday, you had the CIAA. So we're going to start from Thursday and move back to Friday to culminate everything with the SWAC. So CIAA, the way they wrapped out everything in Charlotte. Uh, excuse me, Hampton, Virginia, was the fact that they went from first through 12 in regards to the finish for preseason pronostications. Uh, with that framework, I'll give you and start from 12. Lincoln University, sitting at 12, at 11, St. Augustine, number 10, Johnson C. Smith, at number 9, you have Shawan, at number 8, Shaw University, at number 7, Livingston, the Blue Bears, uh, in the middle of the pack there. Top six starts with Elizabeth City State, number five, Bowie State, and number four, Fayetteville State. The Broncos there are making a move towards the top. But then you go to the Virginia. Number three, Virginia Union making a move. At number two, Virginia State, the Trojans, and they won the championship last year, but they seem to be surpassed by Winston-Salem State, who ran supreme over the last couple of years before they were unseated by Virginia State last year. They find themselves at number one again. Offensive player of the year for the CIAA is a little different than what you see. Not a running back, not a quarterback, but a wide receiver. Jalen Hendricks of Livingstone is the offensive preseason player of the year. That'll do a wrap-up for the CIAA. Let's jump over back into Montgomery, Alabama for the SIAC in regards to the places of predicted order of finish. Let's start with the Western Division. No, I'm sorry. Let's start with the Eastern Division. We're going to move ourselves back to Texas where we'll end up. So with the Eastern Division, at the bottom up, Clark Atlanta University, new coach coming in there, literally named the week before the media day, so no su surprising that they're at the bottom uh, of that pack as people are trying to figure out what's going to go on there. But with that framework, before you move up, you have Morehouse, as you were surprised by many people thinking that they would uh, be a little further up than that. But they've lost a lot of seniors, so they continue to have some work to do. Benedict College, sit, Benedict College sits at the third position, if you would. So it looks like the uh, final for the Eastern Division is coming through the state of Georgia. Fort Valley State, Wildcats there, three first-place votes for Albany State. Golden Rams look to see if they can repeat. In terms of East of the Division, they do have the power. And you'll see when we get to the predicted uh, offensive and defensive player of the year why they were picked in the Eastern Division. With that, you have the Western Division. Actually, 17, six teams over there in the Western Division instead of the five, like you see in the Eastern Division. Um, Lane College, a lot of work to do. They do have a new weight room. So maybe after this season they can move themselves in a different position as they should be able to recruit a little better now. Kentucky State sitting at the fifth position. Number four, a lot of respect for a team the second year into um, the conference at Central State University 
as you know, last year they were a football-only member. This year they joined in all uh, conference sports, so they'll continue to move forward. Then we go into Alabama. Alabama schools are sitting, respectively, three on up, starting with Stillman College. The Tigers there continue to work to get it done. Miles College, the Golden Bears are sitting at the number two position. But Tuskegee, the Golden Tigers, with 10 first-place votes, they look are the team that are picked to get it done. They did win the championship last year, 2014. Looks like they're supposed to get it done again. So as we move to the defensive player, the various Washington of Albany State it was picked as the preseason defensive player, as well as his colleague on the offensive side of the ball, running back, Jarvis Small, Albany State gets the nod. Washington is the linebacker. So Albany State is stacked, so they might have something for the Golden Lions in terms of what's going on there. Going into the SWAC, Southwestern Athletic Conference Media Day in Birmingham, it was packed in there, over 200 credential media as they back up the SEC. Say that again. Over 200 credential media were there, uh, really looking good, filling up the rooms, radio, television, reporters, uh, getting it done. They, one thing the SWAC, I will say, that really gets it right is media day. First class, uh, they make sure that the media has time to work with all the coaches, interview, do a SWAT, do her, the commissioner, I should say. Uh, with that, I actually have a interview with Dua Shaw that you can go to Dr. Liz Inside, the HBCU Sports Lab, if you want to hear that. Uh, you can go there and get that uh, as a podcast. It's available. Have additions for those. Available where, sir? Let folks know. So SoundCloud, thank you. Yeah. Got a little excited there. SoundCloud. Make sure you go to SoundCloud, Dr. Liz Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Also have interviews with the new coach of Prairie View, Willie Simmons, as well as Asbury. Daryl Asbury of Texas Southern University, so locust coaches. You can go get the interviews, and you'll hear right here a special edition that was going on with the Offensive Player of the Year. I'll say that a little bit as a little tease there, let you know he is a local star in the Houston area, as you may know. With that, starting in the East, as again we slide over, Eastern Division wasn't any surprise at the top. That's Alcorn State Braves. But we'll start at the bottom, moving up to the All-Star Alcorn State Braves. At Mississippi Valley State, with 31 points, if you would, they're at the bottom. Coach Comagy stated, hey, he understands they picked exactly where they're supposed to be, but he says he will prove some people wrong. They will finish higher than fifth in the Eastern Division. Alabama State with 50 points. That surprised several people. Brian Jenkins. People were excited about it, got there. Then you had the rumors in the windows, newspaper reports that said that he and the Hornets were under NCAA investigation. Surprisingly, the athletic director said, not so fast, my friend. We are not, and he did use the word currently. I don't know if that meant something. But he said, we are not under review of the NCAA. So... I don't know what they're writing in the newspapers. Maybe somebody has a way to get some information we don't know it. But they said, Brian Jenkins, nor the program of football, is under investigation by the NCAA. So let the record reflect that I repeated that. With that, sitting in the third position, Alabama a and you're smiling over there. You don't believe it, huh? <laughs> John, <laughs> I want to just... He said that live, streaming on air. And, he, he, and nobody challenged him on it. Nobody challenged him on. I mean, what are you supposed to say? Because what, I didn't what, do the report to prove that NCA was on there. That came out of somebody. Moon should have been the one to ask him questions. Say that's not what I heard. 
But as I stated, the record will reflect. On this podcast, we've stated both sides. Alabama A&M Bulldogs sitting in third position, 66 points. Jackson State Tigers at 83 points as we move forward. Alcorn State Braves, 95 points. They have stacked full of first-teamers, second-teamers, offensive, defensive, special teams of field with Braves. So let the record reflect. I believe they'll actually be in Atlanta for the Celebration Bowl. Did I say that loud? You sure did. Maybe I should take that back. You didn't Maybe shout it out. No, you, no, you didn't no, shout no, it out, no, but you, you said it, though. Oh, okay. Don't take it back. This is a <laughs> KG Pittsburgh Walk-In and Doc podcast. We Don't let the riff reflect. That's what I want to say. With that, let's go to the Western Division as we get a little closer to home for those that really want to understand what's going on in their backyards. Arkansas Pine Bluff. Oh, man. Coach. Uh, Coleman may be looking for a job at the end of the year if he can't move out of that fifth spot. 34 points, that's where they think he he did lose. Ben Anderson, all-everything quarterback, all-world champion quarterback from a couple of years ago. So it may be a tough task. Then you have Asbury, fourth for the Texas Southern, sitting in the fourth position, I say, with 40 points. Asbury said that he's glad that the preseason picks do not suggests where you'll finish at the end of the year because he believes he will be somewhere further up. Than would he Would he be – is he on the hot seat? Is, is he warm? Yes, he's definitely on the hot seat. I think some people believe he needs to get seven, eight wins. I don't think he has to get seven, eight wins. I think it's six. He finished right above 500, particularly if one of those wins are against Prairie A&M University. I think six wins will do it and allow him to have an additional year. If he falls below that Mendoza line of 500, he's definitely in trouble. Prairie View, surprising first-year coach. He finds himself in the third position. He's excited. He talked about the fact that uh, probably nowhere in the country do you have two conference rivals play on the opening weekend in regards to a conference game. And so he was <laughs> – a little concerned about that. He said they can go one or two different ways. You're really excited after your first game or you really uh, in the dump. So he says he's going to leave it all on the table. Uh, he's looking at Smiley. Can they get Smiley in there? They get Smiley in there. They might be able to do something in regards to that. If not, it'll be interesting to see what's going on moving forward. Then at number two, you have Southern. People are surprised about this. A lot of people thought Southern, the Jaguars, are going to finish higher than that. That's why I kind of threw them out there a little, a little bit earlier. 91 points. Um, no first place votes in regards to what they were doing there. You had Grandma State who finished with all eight first place votes sitting at 93. So that means Grandma State Tigers, they're back in the football business. Back in the football business, the G-Men say. They're ready. For how long? Is, it just <laughs> a, is this a, just a one season turnaround or what? No, if they're back in the business, they're in it. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to be. As long as the money first. lasts. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Fob says that uh, they're ready to get it done. Roderick Fob says they're serious. Remember, they did come just a yard, literally a yard short, inches short, some people would say, goal line stands by the Southern Jaguars last year than going to the championship game. And remember, Grambling was the only team that defeated Alcorn State Braves on their way to a championship last year. So maybe the record reflects that they are back in the football business. And to answer your question, many would say that's for a while. With that, or as Chris alluded to, at least until the money runs up. Defensive player of the year, Courtney Berry, linebacker from Alabama State, tackle machine. He's in the business of getting it done. Preseason offensive player of the year, 
John Gibbs Jr. quarterback, Alcorn State Braves, not surprising anybody, HISD representative. And as I alluded to earlier, we do have an interview from him. So you just listen to the show. Well, I'll make sure that you get to hear that interview. In fact, should they listen to it at this point? In fact, we're going to take a few couple of minutes and have everyone listen to the interview that Doc did with, with the John Gibbs Jr. Wildcat and I are always proud to say in the claim that he is an HIV product. From yep. He gets stuff done. So let's take a couple of minutes and listen to John Gibbs He's Jr. going to also tell you studio culprits. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a shout-out yeah. for all those folks doing that, too. Yeah. They they got their first home games. Uh, matter of fact, somebody gave me a schedule yesterday. <laughs> That's serious. I, I, oh, yeah. Uh, that first home game <laughs> is scheduled for uh, the uh, the uh, last Saturday in uh, in August. Wow. And uh, so that's so that right there. Let's stop right there. That's a perfect segue from the schedule of the Studio Cobras hey. to a. Do they have a Hall of Fame for Studio Cobras? No, but I tell you what, it's, 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 it's quite a few. Because John Gibb Jr. is a is an alum, and he's a proud alum. As you yeah, hear he, in he this loves, interview that Doc did loves, with John loves, Gibb Jr. He loves. This is Doctor Pinata Cavill for KG Football Wildcat and Doc. Podcast here in Birmingham, Alabama for the SWAC Football 2015 Media Day. Let's talk about your ability to be a leadership, not only for your team, but also for high school students back in Houston, HISD product. Talk a little bit about the pride that you take in kind of leading your path for those students to understand that there are options out there moving forward. Oh, man, it, it means a lot because growing up, you know, uh, I was a played for the Studio Cobras, you know, I played for Booker T, you know, I ball boy for them growing up before I even actually got there, started playing on the field. So uh, just watching those boys play meant a lot, you know, it, it was a dream come true, you know, to one day be a court, be the court, be the starting quarterback at Booker T, you know, my dad played there, you know, God Brothers, you know, they played there, it was just, you know, my whole dad's side of the family, they all went there. So just to play there, you know, at the school, you know, my family went to, you know, played the quarterback, the position my dad played, you know, the Try to be better than he was, you know, just be better, period, as a as a football player, you know, just, you know, and just to perfect your craft against, you know, anyone you play against your opponents, it means a lot, you know, just show how much talent we have in the city of Houston in the HISD area, period. You know, we do have guys that are coming out, you know, that, that you know, district that play D1 ball that aren't, some of them aren't necessarily getting the recognition they deserve. But we, I feel like we have the talent level to play anywhere, not just HISD, I mean, HISD can Compare against, you know, Aldean's district, you know, South Creek's right. district, Cypress district, it doesn't matter. And we have ball players as well. That's right, because uh, Houston, Texas in general, place of uh, great football legends and players, and you have now fully put your stamp on that. All right, once again, that was Dr. Cavill interviewing John Gibb Jr. from Bloomington, Washington, and the Studio with Cobras. All-Corn State quarterback, preseason offensive player of the year in the SWAC. Doc, I'm looking at, I'm glancing at the uh, first team, Swag offense. I see two players from Prairie View. I don't see any first team players from Texas Southern. I see offense or defense. Was that correct. a misprint? And no. I see two on defense from Prairie View. You agree with that? Thoughts? Um, first team. There are some Texas Southern players on the second team. Right. I'll Amir, say that. Amir Bloom. We got Glenn jo- last, Jackson. Last yeah. year, defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Remember, he was preseason defensive player of the year last year. Uh, as he got injured 
first game of the year, I believe it was definitely about the second game. And we got offensive lineman Glenn Jackson for, for Tigers with TSU on second so, team. So I think with the injury, Loom probably is the first team candidate with that injury. I can understand why they put him on the second team. But the offensive line, I think he very well should be on the first team. So it'll be interesting to see if he'll feel a little slighted and, and make his move and suggest that he should be in the mix to get it done. And when I talk about that, I'm talking about Glenn Jackson out of Florida. He's nasty. Uh, he's a big body. He can get it done. I see Mr. Bear. PB running back made first team. He deserved that all-purpose. Uh, but don't they get someone else back as well in the in the backfield? Or Nick Brown. He's the real truth. So if they could just if, run the ball if, a lot if they want to. Yeah, they, they should be able to run the ball on just about anybody. Yeah. Uh, that gives them a chance also to make sure the quarterback play, play sharpens up. So that's something to keep your eye on. Uh, Brown was actually in uh, Birmingham. He's very excited. He looks healthy. He looks big. He looks strong. He looks nasty. He's a senior, and he's ready to go out uh, making some noise. So to look for him to definitely run hard, uh, powerful, be interesting to see what he does in that first game. And that's probably the matchup I'm really going to be most interested in. You have a new offensive coordinator now, the coach, a prayer of you coming over, a championship team at Alcorn State Braves with Willie Simmons. What is he going to do on the offensive side of the ball? He has a stash of running backs as a big offensive line as they continue to do a lot of things. As you uh, talked about, they're running behind Glenn Hazley, if you would. So um, they'll be powerful uh, in regards to what they're doing. So it's going to be interesting to see what Texas Southern does on the defensive side, namely with Bloom. Uh, will they get the, the transfer at A&M if he got injured last year? Courtney, is he going to be able to get uh, – Claiborne, I should say, is he going to be able to get on the field? Um, he's trying to get back from injury. and It'll be interesting. If he gets back, I think maybe the edge on the defensive side goes – Towards Texas Southern Tigers is stopping Prairie View. If not, I look for Texas uh, for Prairie View, the Panthers, to be able to run over Texas Southern Tigers and get that victory, surprising everybody because most people think the Tigers are just going to beat them up. And I'm not me, sure if they can get enough offense. And let me say this before um, I get blasted on Twitter for not acknowledging Corey Carter, TSU's punter. He was named first team on special teams. So I know there are TSU alums listen and follow us on Twitter hey, religiously. So let me say that one more time. I was going to make Corey sure Carter you got that out there. Whereas first team, swag special teams. Okay, so the Tigers do have someone on the first team, special teams, punter Corey Carter. Okay, let me say that one more time. Corey <laughs> Carter for Texas Southern was named first team, swag special teams. Okay. Now, as you mentioned, though, another point that I think is interesting when you talk about all the state talent in the state of Texas is the fact that you only have, what, four players on the SWAC first team offense, defense, special teams, or second team. You have a total of four players from the state of Texas. And what does that say? Is that an indication of that coach is not recruiting Texas? Uh, uh, had it been sure. closed out? Well, let me ask it this. Yeah, let me ask it that well, way. I take that back. Had it been closed out? Uh, uh, I take that back. It's only three. Our kids are just not traveling I'm outside the state no more. For a minute, want to make that N or X? It's actually three: two from Houston and one from Katy. That's interesting. I think there's a couple of things at play here. I want to look at the Southland first team before I can make a I data get, analysis approach with the team that plays at that level. FCS. 
I'll dig a little deeper. Hold so next podcast, I'll bring that back to you. Hold on. I can get it. I, I've got that up. Well, look, as we talking about, see if you can look up at least count the number of Texas players, 13, 17, on Southland, which give us a little more indication, which will suggest least participating at the FCS level. There's more of a problem in regards to recruiting than there is players just playing at different levels. If it's similar, then you can say there's a problem in regards to Texas players playing at the FCS level. I think there's a couple of things going here. You have two coaches in Texas, at least previously, Coach Northern, which was out of Baton Rouge, and with Hebert, can't really argue with he is getting it done in terms of coming out of the state of Louisiana. Uh, but he was able to recruit a lot of talent out of Louisiana. And so he didn't or was not able to recruit as heavily as Texas. So part of that was just getting the best player available. And for him, they were out of Louisiana. Same thing with Asbury. He tends to be able to get players out of Louisiana, Mississippi. So I think that's part of the fact uh, from that standpoint. But I think uh, Willie Simmons openly said that that has to change. I was going to say, because I listened to an interview with Willie Simmons that you did, and I believe he said he had 200 players come out to the uh, Yeah, he camp. says it was a little less than that. Okay. But from every indication we counted, Ralph Cooper saw it as well. It looked every bit of 200 players. He, uh, I don't know if they have a record thing in terms of what they were counting, NCAA policy. Maybe that's why they were making sure they didn't say But it was packed right here in the backyard. And that's kids from this area. Yeah, in Houston. And he said he purposely wanted to do that. And he stood out and made a great point because people were talking about, hey, that's a lot of money. You have said this. He said it really wasn't about money. He said, in fact, we really broke even if we didn't lose anything. We charged just enough uh, to make sure we break even because the NCAA requires them sure. to charge a fee. He made sure that was known. Uh, he probably would have done it free. It was the frame where he was coming from. But he thought it was important to get in the community, make sure they saw what they were doing and everything in that case. So Willie Simmons says that that will change. So I think the other part of that is framework they're not recruiting to kind of open your question. You have a number for the Southland? Yes. Nine from the Houston area, greater Houston area, uh, both first and second team. Wow. But on the first team, it's 16 from the state of Texas. Uh, and uh, on offense and defense, and on the second team is 15 from the state of Texas. It's not, offense. Even, it's not even close. No. Now, and, and, but to they, their credit, there you do have the fact that uh, you have three Southland teams from the state of Texas: uh, Stephen F. Austin, Sam Houston State, and Lamar. Versus and, just two in the slack. No, 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 no. You got HDU. Oh, I forgot. You HBCU, got uh, the new teams, Abilene, Abilene Christian, Incarnate Word, and Incarnate Word. Six. So that's going to skew it a little bit. Yeah. Still, uh, it's troubling. But it's interesting, though. Not a lot of kids from out of the, uh, out of the, the uh, new San, I see, uh, out of the uh, San Antonio area. That was the interest, was interesting. So to me. a large number. Uh, from Houston, Texas, Houston and Houston and Dallas. Dallas. Houston and Dallas. Dallas, yeah. And yeah. that's troubling for Prairie View when the fact that you had to stay for a classic. Where you play uh, right. Right there in the backyard, you're supposed to be getting more players out of Dallas when you have prime games up there. I don't have an answer for for what's going on, or how, why that changed, or how how it's changed. But now I'm also going to look a little close on the roster. I know Prairie View roster stacked with players from Texas, but doesn't look really like they're stacking up in terms of show they were in terms of first team, second team players. And we'll segue into this point. Something that was mentioned during the Big Twelve uh, question that came up about these visiting regional camps. A lot of coaches, especially Coach Browse, was not happy uh, about teams, in particular Michigan, coming down 
into Dallas and Houston and having camps. Satellite that, camps. That's satellite a, camps phrase on campus, either at the high school or at a, uh, uh, a uh, FCS school. Share the money. Yeah, he don't have a problem sharing the money. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, why, but crying. at the end of the day, all the Big 12 coaches either has, had, had an issue with it because just like – Because they, they want to keep all the players. No. I don't blame them. I don't blame. Them. I do. I, I don't blame. Them. Now, it, share it, the it, money. If you're not allowing me to come in your backyard and recruit, why should I, I allow you to come into mine and, and, and recruit? Is they don't have the ability not to allow them? What do you mean allow? Like they got somebody? Like they actually giving the key to the fence? Some kind of way <laughs> that the conference had, but the conferences had, had to set set the rules on those, and they are the ones that that basically told coaches. You can't you can't see, do visiting. That's the that's the conference's fault. It's not the big team's fault. Bosley didn't uh, didn't he skated the issue somewhat. He didn't get it, he didn't give an answer that was because he didn't Well, that that may be true too. But when we got him, you know, when we got him in the breakout session, and people just kind of like ganged up on him, it, he kind of like he really skated the the issue then. Because now you what he wasn't in front of the TV and he wasn't in front of he doesn't have one you know did anyone ask Art Browse about strengthening his weak ass non conference schedule well you know what <laughs> I was, I, way I approached it was well no what the question came up so you were nice no the question came up was will the conference step in and require coaches to change their non conference schedule the and no the the answer was no but the presidents. And the ADs I don't are starting to get involved. I don't want to hear anything. Now, when the Final Four comes out, I don't want to hear anything. Speaking of that, only five teams in the Big Twelve. Uh, no, only only five schools out, uh, are being played in the Big Five in non-conference scheduling in the month of September. OU is at Tennessee, Minnesota. OU always scheduled. Well. Uh, no, and then they've got Akron and Tulsa. And an off week. In At least between. they always schedule one big time game. Uh, Minnesota plays TCU at Minnesota. Then they've got Stephen F. Austin, SMU. At least it's and, the Power Five. And Notre Dame, the, the UT is at Notre Dame the first week. Rice, then California, and then they start conference play. And then West Virginia. Who plays California? Uh, Texas does. Okay. Uh, Power. And then uh, West Virginia has. Georgia Southern, Georgia Southern, Liberty, and then off week, and then they play Maryland. What? Baylor. Liberty. No, 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 no. Who who the previous previous schools? (laughs) This is West West Virginia, right? West Virginia, you said? They playing who? They playing Maryland the fourth week in September. No, no. One, two, and three. (laughs) First week one, West Virginia is playing Georgia Southern. Week two. That's not bad. That's on. Now, this is at home now. These are all home games. Yeah, they they gonna be home game. Uh, Liberty, FB, and the, FCS, and then they got an off week, and then they pl- play Maryland. That's it. That's better than Baylor. Everybody else, uh, yes, is, is I can't even throw rocks at Baylor. Look at the it, schedule; it, it, it's not hard to throw rocks. And and uh, Iowa State plays. It has Baylor has SMU, the man Lamar, and Wright right. in his backyard, and uh, Iowa State. Who's, uh, Coach Rose is, is on a on a warm seat this season. Um, it, w- it was mentioned. They still play football up there. Uh, apparently, are they in the football business up there? I, I don't know. 
But they he, they, we'll find out this year because uh, folks are starting to venture out and look at things. But they've got uh, not another hour, hour, and uh, and then they're at Toledo. Then they've got an off week. Now KU, this is this is what they've got to start this year. South Dakota State. They need a cupcake. They might get upset by South Dakota State. You know, it's, hey, it, it, it happened in Houston there last year, so it, it, it can happen. Uh, then they got Memphis, and then they go to Rutgers. K, uh, K-State has South Dakota, UTSA, Louisiana Tech. Oklahoma State is at Central Michigan, plays Central Arkansas. These UTSA. schedules are almost as bad as the SEC schedule. Yeah, I see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's yeah. Time to throw rocks oh, yeah. That's, that's the one to be throwing rocks at. They it's time schedule. to throw some rocks. And now you can get a couple of boulders and all and <laughs> roll down here and gather marks, you know, and get bigger to get to, get to the, to the valley. Uh, Texas Tech has, uh, Sam Houston State and UTEP. And then they're at Arkansas and they start conference play. In the month of September, with Nick Saban talking about uh, hey. how is the players' fault? He, lost. he hey. need to do a How better job. And let, and he let, need to do a better job at the end of the season. Let me and the, you. the other thing too. Now Here we people go. can talk about about the SEC all they want to. There will not be a non, uh, an undefeated season for a while out of that conference. You said it first. Bro. It ain't gonna happen. Good not after what what I saw being mentioned. At the podium and all, everybody's all cordial and they've been, you know, optimistic about this, that, and the other. Rice has a better chance of walking through than a team in the SEC does just because of the conference the at the SEC end. SEC is over it. Here we go. Here we go. Fox Sports' Stuart Mandel wrote an awesome article earlier this week. Was it awesome? Talking about the SEC has now become a league of ridiculous excuses. <laughs> well. Amen, brother. Here we start go. Start with Alabama. For he throws rocks at every coach in the SEC West for spewing out this Garbage. excuses, drivel, BS, whatever you want to call it. It started last year when Nick Saban suggested his team Sugar Bowl lost to heavy underdog Oklahoma came in part because his team, accustomed to playing for national titles, viewed the bowl as a consolation game. That's a you problem. The poor Crimson Tide had That's apparently a you problem. too good to win a non-championship bowl game. This year, Saban said that pending NFL draft decisions by its bevy of pro prospects affected Bama's chemistry leading up to its playoff semifinal <laughs> loss to Ohio State. If you in charge of your program. World problems. So here we go. If you, if you in charge of your program, you got no excuse. He goes in on all this. Here we go. Here we go. But during the recent media days slash car wash circuit, some of Sabian, Saban's own SEC rivals also proffered excuses why the conference fell short in the first year of the new postseason system. Auburn's Gus Malzahn said that the rigors of competing in the stacked SEC West actually put league teams at a disadvantage in the playoff system. They just became so worn down. Quote, compared to everyone else, yeah, we're disadvantaged. Look at the SEC West. All of the teams are in the top 25. What other conference can say that? Then if you win that, you got to play another really good team from the East. And then you're in the playoff semi, having win two more games. Quote, never mind, Stuart Mandel, never mind that there's nearly four weeks between the SEC championship game and the first playoff game. 
or that just a year earlier, before Auburn faced ACC Florida State, Auburn Malzahn had former star Cam Newton deliver a pep talk that emphasized how the, quote, Nose ain't played no Alabama. They ain't played no Georgia. They ain't played no Missouri. They ain't been tested. Apparently, a year later, all that testing is now a hindrance. Stuart Van he goes in. Missouri's like Gary that. Pinkle. He telling the truth. It's already caught onto the league's new pastime of complaining how hard they have. <laughs> he said this week that independence to a program that Notre was barely standing oh, before he I'm moved into the SEC. Done. I'm not done. He said Notre Dame should be forced to join a conference if they want to be in the playoff and that all conferences should be forced to hold a championship game. It's surely a, a coincidence that Pinkle's teams are 0-4 in Big 12 and SEC championship games. And let us not forget the best, the biggest conspiracy of them all, satellite camps. SEC schools currently aren't allowed to barnstorm like Michigan's Jim Harbaugh. Quote from Nick Saban. It's a disadvantage not to be able to do something in one league and be able to do it in another. With all those disadvantages, it's a wonder the SEC is even able to field FBS programs, much less win national championships. That is... A U capital Y O U problem. Because if you are say you 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 say you're in charge, at some point, if you can't go to your AD, your president, your conference commissioner and say, We need to be allowed to venture to venture out. Because if somebody's gonna come in, so that's why they're losing the playoffs. So it's it's because well, it's the I, SEC I, it's, problem. It's the Big 12's problem. It's that's why the Big Twelve didn't get in the Final Four. Two, and that's why SEC. Two reasons why they didn't get in: they didn't win games, and they didn't beat who they needed to beat. And here we go. Now I'm gonna throw Not some more rocks at the Big Twelve. You know, should the league, should the Big Twelve get snubbed by the committee, as in the NCAA championship committee? Get go ahead, because I got this, that, this season. I got a direct quote the from Big the Twelve commissioner. What he said: "Abandon its current format and add the championship game for 2016." Quote from your man who's on the hot seat, according to you, Iowa State's coach Paul Rhodes. Quote, I don't think it necessarily will go three to five years before the Big 12 changes if the same thing happens in year two. I don't think the times will allow that to happen. There's an urgency about it. End let me, quote. Let me input this, this, this quote from the commissioner. One year, it was a situation that was just, you know, something that happened. It's not a trend. Two years down the road, but happens again or the uh, situation arises and it's all on the table now it becomes it, it, it we'll we'll go to the table and re redo some things so basically what it what he was saying was if they get into the same situation they were in last year somebody's gonna get two teams are gonna get invitations just because everybody else they're gonna have a, a legitimate gripe and the commissioner will be forced to to bow down and say we're going to add a championship a game. We're going to add it. We're going to extend out two teams and we're going to move forward. Now, and, but the key is going to be who do you bring in beside the team that's already been mentioned? BYU. Who do you bring in beside that? Well, hold that thought. Hold that thought. I'm, I'm not done. The, on my but, you, but you get my point, oh, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, and this is, let me give credit to the author of the article. This is, this is ESPN staff writer Jake Trotter wrote about this. He said that the Big 12 may have an, another disadvantage. This year, three of the top four teams in its preseason poll 
won't even be playing on the final Saturday. Baylor will face Texas on December 5th, but TCU, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State will finish their regular season the weekend before. Quote from West Virginia coach Dana Holgerson. That 13th game on that Saturday, I think, is important. Friday? Right now, less than half our league is playing a 12th game on that Saturday. So this year, what happens if Oklahoma is 12-0 or 11-1 and they're in discussion and they're not playing on that last Saturday? Baylor, TCU, Friday, November 27th. Once again, the game may not be meaningful. To borrow from the Wildcats, it may not be meaningful. That's a you problem. (laughs) That's right. That's a you problem. You caused it. You got to resolve it. And the the commissioner kept saying, it's not an issue. Because it's not not a trend. It it wasn't a trend. I don't know. But I know one thing. He said it's not a trend. You know, one year is one year. So he going to wait till it's a trend before he make a decision. Apparently so. He's going to be reactive instead of proactive. Okay, I got you. You know, because it's basically, what, like I said, you got to first institute a championship game. Then you got to bring in two teams. And the last time the Big 12 won a national championship was when? Let's see. I think that guy from Houston was was quarterback in that team. Houston Madison, I believe, right? And that guy H-I-D is who? That that HID another HID product, yeah, at the quarterback position. Two thousand five. Two thousand five. The last time a team from the Big Twelve played in the championship game, two thousand nine. Trend my butt. Hey, y'all haven't been playing a championship game been more than a year. Issues, issues, and they got to resolve them quickly. And I, because I did say, I did mention Oklahoma and Texas. People keep they they was pussyfooting around talking about yeah they got to win games. I said no, that ain't who they what they got to do. They got to start kicking ass. Both of them. If they if they want to change things in the Big Twelve and want to change the whole concept in the in the in the in the college football landscape in the state of Texas and in Oklahoma, those two schools they got to start kicking ass. It's just plain and simple. If they got anything else in their mind about just winning games, no, you got to be demoralizing folks. Those two teams, in order for Big 12 to move beyond where they are right now, because right now they're middle of the pack. People are talking about them real easy. At best. And I mean, t- folks on the West Coast is talking about them. Like, Pac-12 is like, you know, can, y'all... y'all can like, TCU... Get in that upper episode. The best two teams in Big 12 the- are TCU and Baylor. Well, I'm not worried about Baylor because they can't schedule anybody. So until well, they well, schedule anybody, they're they, not they in won't the schedule anybody. They can't. They, they just refuse to. Until they schedule somebody, as I said, I'm not putting them in the conversation. Who's, who was TCU's non-conference opponent? South Dakota. Uh, uh, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. They at Minnesota. Power Five. Then five. they play Stephen F. Austin. Southland. FCS. And then uh, SMU. And regional route. And that's just because. Yeah. And, and that's a money game for both schools and all just for the to satisfy the alumni. Yeah. Uh so Baylor and TCU are both playing SMU. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> SMU must be really good then, boy. I tell you. <laughs> See, man, uh, all I know is that's what they schedule. That's what they schedule. New new head coach at SMU. Rebuilding, starting over. If and now if I'm one of them two schools, and I'm TCU gonna do the same thing. Yeah. 
because they've got enough returning players on both offense and defense to get that done. And, and depth. Offensively, definitely. And, and, are, they, are they that good on the defense side of the ball? They've got enough depth that if somebody goes down, they can, they can, they can plug somebody in and keep, and keep right on rolling, which is what they hadn't had in a, in a long time. Can they stop while. somebody this year? Yeah. They, they, they can. They will be able to stop folks. Their DBs are less stronger than they have been just because of the fact they put pressure at the line, of, uh, at the point of, uh, of attack. Wilson, we'll see. Alabama says they'll be back. Ohio State says they'll be back. Who's coming out of the Pac-12? Hadn't got that far down the road down. And that's on USC. But I will will tell you. Probably USC this year. uh, Yes, they are loaded. Player what about of the year. The ACC? Uh, well, let me finish up my Big 12 and then I'll move on to the uh, A. Player of the year. Player of the year is expected to be uh, Trevon Barkin, TCU Top quarterback. Senior. He's going to be in the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Uh, Top candidate. And, and you know what? Right he's confident. He's a, he's a confident guy. He should be. He, he speaks he's well. Um, talk to Kyle Say. Is he your front runner for the Heisman? Not yet. Who Who's is your front runner? Because uh, I hadn't seen it. I, it's, it's, Stephen had started. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I haven't for, seen I, anybody I, else. That's that's, that's right. Yeah, and, uh, I'm waiting no, to see. Remember start. last year, he proved us wrong. Last year's prediction about Ohio State's quarterback. <laughs> right? Did, did, hey, he got he got did, that right. I so did. We and were they have, about that, yeah. <laughs> and y'all look at me with this look like, wait a minute, man. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Yeah. <laughs> wait a, a minute. That was beautiful. You need to <laughs> take that from the podcast. <laughs> Throw that in the yeah. Hey, that, that should be it. Now you talk about number one archive for me. That that would that would be it. Yep. He said, "Watch this. That third string quarterback. He broke it down. He's not just the average. Yeah, and, and that's only because I had seen that guy in the state championship game. I see. <laughs> I, I we do call you the high school. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Good job. Uh, but uh, a defensive player of the year is Sean Oakman from Baylor. Defensive man. This guy is he is huge. Baylor, top five, Baylor play defense. Top five pick NFL. Yeah. Oh yeah. Homeboy about 6'8", 6'9", about two fifty, two sixty. I think like he, 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 he may he may weigh more than that, but he looked his body. He could step He's into weight, a yeah. he could step into a power forward position gap real easy in the in the NBA. Wow. He is that. I Doesn't mean, Baylor have a like a. 400 pounds now, tight end running back, something like that. That guy. No, seriously. The, yeah. He didn't make the trip this year, but that everybody asked about him. Um, I can't. Hold on. Hold no, I'll on. get it. Keep going. Go down there. Uh, go but, down the uh, team. Yeah. And uh, newcomer of the year, Chris Carson, Oklahoma State running back, junior coach. Uh, uh, Gundy t- talked about him pretty, uh, pretty highly, but when was the last time Oklahoma, wow. Oklahoma State had a relevant running back? I mean, literally. It, it, it's, and we all, all, all three of us are looking at each other, and we know how far that goes back. That guy is in the, is, is in the Hall of Fame right now. <laughs> he's in the Hall of Fame right now. That's the last time. La- Laquan McGowan. Laquan McGowan, tight end, 6'7", 410 pounds. That's not illegal. And he's light compared to what he was last year because he was almost tipping the scales at almost five at one point. It, 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 he's a big kid, but getting back to Oakman, Oakman is huge. He's a mountain. He is as soft spoken as all that doors. But when you put he's six nine two eighty, Sean Oakman. Wow. And but he looks to be about two sixty five two seventy. He doesn't look to be two eight, but he's every bit of six. Uh, transfer from Penn State. Wow. He yeah he was a part of that that that, that transfer group. Yeah. Now in Penn State. Yeah. You, can you imagine what that looked like in? in 
in a, in a big team at that time when the, when they didn't have a whole lot of players. And now that they they just not they, they still don't have a whole lot, you know, folks are competing. Now. It's gonna be different. It's all all be that different. matters is one team. That's true. Ohio State v Ohio State. That's all that matters. That's the big thing. Got to catch up, you know. So, right. as a matter of fact, out of all of these, Harbaugh can't do it in a year. In in the Big Twelve this year, out of all of these uh, uh guys that uh, uh, that make the first first team uh, offensive defense, so Michigan State. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we gonna get some. We gonna get some texts on that. Eleven guys on the uh, on the uh, Big Twelve first uh, first team offensive defense are not from the state of Texas. Everybody else is homegrown. Homegrown. That's that's a Longhorn problem. You know, they from the and an OU problem. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. They they need to make a move. I, but I meant when I said, and I said it loud you enough. For, it. I said loud enough for some folks, for some folks to hear. Matter of fact, uh, one of the one of my friends, radio guy, yes, he, he he looked at head. He looked at me with this look like we can't do that. I was like, dude, they don't need to be just messing around. Oklahoma and Texas, they got if they were in contention last year, it would have been no question. You That's just, true. You, you, you got both of them in. People would have just said, that hey, was my argument. That's the brain. I thought about but you, if uh, when all the fucking change, those two schools have if, got to kick if ass. If it's USC, Ohio State, State you ain't getting a shot. Alabama, you ain't getting past, you ain't getting past it. You ain't get those. Two, those schools are brands. That's what, those are the ones that people want to go and see. They'll travel down the road and all and go and watch them in the game. Those three schools. Doc Wildcat. Yep. The NCAA will be making a new distribution of eighteen point nine million dollars. To Division One schools to help them pay for cost of attendance-based scholarships, additional food that can be made available to athletes for or a for various academic projects. The NCAA's chief financial officer announced this on Monday. They should double it. Each of the nearly this is a it sounds great. Each of the nearly 350 Division One schools will get an equal share of the money, meaning the schools will receive about fifty-five thousand dollars apiece. <laughs> You know that came up in a conversation and all on the, on the players and all. The guys was like, "Well, you know, if I can get my laundry done, I can go to a movie and kind of eat and hang out." You know, uh, uh, but uh, kids kind of like you know they look at it totally different than, than adults because everybody's got a problem with it. But uh, they hadn't found a way to resolve it, and they got to find a way to resolve it. They've got to. But I tell you what, though. The, the one this well, let me just make mention of this. The one new, th- the one new thing that came up uh, this week was a new restrictive uh, live contact uh, opportunity for all teams in, in uh, Division One. They've taken the policy of three times a week. No, currently it's two, two live contact practices a week. And most of the coaches mentioned that they don't do live contact once the season starts. And they don't even, some of them don't even do uh, live contact even in two a day. And one of the coaches actually said, we don't do two a day. You should talk about the Big 12. Yeah. Why? Because they're, they're not relevant. Well, it's, oh, Doc, that's going to be a second <laughs> right <laughs> Oh, man. Because oh, three people, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at three people's faces right now. I'm going to get this. 
this text and, and, and it's somebody going like, Jerry, you let that go. You let that go. I'm like, hey, man, I told y'all. If those two schools don't start kicking ass, that day, that's what y'all gonna look like. That's what y'all gonna look like. I'm just saying. Hey, they gotta make a change. Can they make the Final Four this year? How can you be relevant if you're not even a Final Four team in football? No, that is true. That is true. And you got, you got to get that. You, you have to get that. Because if not, you're not relevant. Not at all, and nobody's concerned about it. He said it again, listeners. The Big 12 is not relevant. <laughs> a power five conference. A power five conference. I want them to know how to get in contact you. You can get me on the social media platforms of Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Wildcat, who are you? How can folks contact you on the social media platforms? You can contact me uh, through Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, at JL Woodley1, Jerry, or Facebook, I'm sorry. Uh, Jerry L. Woodley Jr., JL Woodley1. TweetDeck, Blogger, YouTube, AKSB, DCSR. The college sports report. Now, let me make this clear. They were in the same position as Conference USA, the Sun Belt, Mac. Ooh, in regards to you, the playoffs, you, you really, you really references. Now, if we talk you, about you really references a couple of conferences. American. Oh my goodness! The act, yeah. Uh, American football. No, 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 no. When you no. line it all up, they were sitting in the same position. They were watching. Final Four football, college football playoffs like me. They were on the couch, on the sideline, watching. Now, I will say this. In terms of the revenue, they on top of the food chain. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, it's, that's interesting, but they've got this to share, too. Many people say that's where it counts. And quite a few were happy with that the other day. Literally, quite a, quite a few folks were happy with that. You know, that they, they're collecting a lot of a lot of corn and all them put in the program. I'm sure the president and the ADs are very happy. I find it interesting that you, if you collected $161 million and you got a problem with coaches' lunches and, it's, and all they took up was three, and you taking that away from them at 300, 300K. I, well, I, they I, taking that money away because now they got to pay the students. Now, you know what? I think that's a bunch of crap. I'm like, that. that's an excuse that that is as big as I don't care where it comes. The, the butt they as sit. As long as it goes to the students, I can care less. And if you're making change to make change, that's good. But if you're making change because you want to be empowered, empowered, and have a say so, you are probably not the person to be making change. <laughs> and I'm talking about the long haul. Your program is being talked about in the wrong direction. You need to resolve that. Coaches coach, fans just be fans. Are you talking about Steve Patterson? I'm talking about I'm talking about the program overall. From the three new regents, new president, three new coaches. So you saying it's all a mess? It's all a mess, and it shouldn't be talked about like that outside. You need to correct that. When you when I it's, 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 it's because now 
you at a crossroad, a big one. You don't need to be losing what you already got going for you. Because the money may be getting to a plateau at some point within the next two to three years. Because somebody, whose contract is, is due up next? Pac-12? Uh, uh, Big Ten that, that's got a TV contract that's coming up within the next two years. Somebody's got a contract. Big Ten. Big Ten. Big Ten. They're going to do their... Uh, and that's going to be... The that, Big Ten Network contract is coming up. And that, thinking about the Big Ten Network, you know, over there with Michigan, the other thing you're talking about when you look at all this revenue is Nike. Nike's making a push. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. They did in terms of basketball recently at the professional level. You see what they're doing uh, in regards to football, NFL a couple of years ago. Now they're moving down in regards to Michigan. Michigan went from Adidas to Nike. Quickly. All I did was make a coaching change. Harvard. And they're getting it done. Folks better be able to trust me. But right now, I must say, Under Armour is smiling. Under Armour has speed. As we go outside of this, you know what we talk about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Getting it done. Looked like he was making a run. Their, their name they is everywhere. Steph Curry. Curry, MVP. Oh, my goodness. That, that's, that, that, that's nice. That's nice branding, facial brand for those two guys. Yes. And that makes the And as you say, Doc, all the time, it's all about the branding, and the branding is spreading wide. It's going. It's, it's global. Speaking of, let's go shift gears. Talk, talk Rockets. Sunday, they made a trade and acquired Ty Lawson from the Denver Nuggets for basically nothing. Uh, role players. It's a great trade for Del Morey. Didn't have to disrupt his core players. His eight, nine-man rotation to pick up uh all-star caliber player in Ty Lawson. But it doesn't come without risk because Ty Lawson has is battling, battling a drinking problem. Um, and Yahoo Sports spoke with Denver Nuggets president Josh Kroenke. And basically, one of the comments that Kroenke made was, Ty Lawson came to practice drunk. You can smell alcohol on his breath. Oh, man. That ain't good. Quote. That's a serious problem. Quote. There were times when he was better than others, but the problems... There were times when he was better than others, but the problems have been there for several years, going back to when we were having a lot of on-court success. I don't want to go back too far. There were just a lot of times where we, where you were at practice and you just know. You could smell it. You know, there's probably deeper issues that we would probably let on. End quote. And and you know, sad part about that, nobody spoke up as a team member and attempted to correct it. That means that that tells me more about his teammates, coaching staff, and everybody else that nobody wanted to wanted to broach that that, that subject for whatever reason, and they should have. Because if it's gotten this far down the road, it's not going to self-correct this. It's yeah. just not. He's going. He's in the uh, 30-day treatment program right now. And the Rockets have already spoken to John Lucas to work with Tyler when he comes and moves to Houston for the Rockets. But on the court, it's a great deal for the Rockets to an extent because Ty Lawson and James Harden both need the ball in their hands a lot. So we'll see how they were able to make that work. Todd Austin, one of his good attributes in terms of three-point shooting is from the corner threes, and that's one of the things Rockets excel at, three-point corner shots. That's what makes Corey Brewer 
a better fit for this team than other teams around the NBA. Right. The corner three that, that the Rockets fell in. Kyle Austin is better in the up court in the transition game. So we'll see how it all works. We'll see how Patrick Beverly and his new playmaker healthy contract exists with Ty Lawson. Will he be cool with will they play together sometimes, you know, uh, Lawson and Beverly in the backcourt? A Harden Lawson backcourt is good offensively. Defensively, it's kind of shaky. Uh, you know, especially out on the perimeter. James Harden is a better defender down low in the post. But also out, out high. He's like still like he's still a turnstile. You know, so and Ty Lawson has not been known as being a great defender one on one. So we'll see how Kevin Kemp makes it all work. But, you know, fans are loving it. Media most of the media is just praising Daryl Morey for making a great another great deal. But I do wonder just how much they really know how serious Ty Lawson's drinking problem appears to be. Right. He's had he's had four DUIs. He had one he was in college in North Carolina, and then he's had two this year, and then he had another one that LA Times reported. So he's had roughly since his police days to now we know four DUIs. And the NBA is probably going to meet out some some type of punishment with his latest two. So he's got to get his life in order off the court in order to be effective on the court. And if I can say, get him a driver, yeah, that's fine. You have to let him drive. But if, if he went to Nuggets practice, you smell the alcohol. That don't mean he'll stop breathing. Yeah. Exactly. So that's that's a problem. So we'll see how that all that all plays out. Any thoughts on Becky Hammond? Leading the San Antonio Spurs summer league team to a championship. The fact that she got in their face after that time, during that time, I told me a lot about her and about the player. And should they have told a lot about. Should have told her a lot about a lot, you a lot about her because you and I go back a long way. Oh yeah, I still remember getting up at eight o'clock in the morning and didn't know who this was because I was going. This is when uh, Utah was running the car, the, the whack at the time. And they were had, they had practice scheduled for six o'clock because they had to share the court. I mean, it, the whack was a big whack at, at that point, and UNLV hadn't big whack sixteen team. Oh yeah, they, had, they didn't have all they didn't have the the, the, the space now for everybody to, to just spread out and have practice. And Utah didn't want to be all over the place, so they wanted to, their practice was scheduled on campus. And whatever time he scheduled practice, that's when you had that's when you had what time you had to go to to, to get your interview. So I'm coming out of practice, and here comes Colorado State, and I see it. And the first thing I see is I'm pigtails, and I'm thinking about, damn, Kim was back out on the floor. <laughs> so I sit and I watch, and I was totally impressed. I was like, okay, she gonna get to the, she gonna play on the next for somebody to, you know overseas or somewhere because at the time, you know, there was no WNBA. And my goodness. And she didn't get drafted. I think and, it's, and, and, I think and, it's and, great news. I think it's about time. I'm glad to see San Antonio had uh, a program and a franchise that had the courage and ability to put everything in place to get it done. And because they did, you had a coach that was able to show that she could get it done. Kudos to her. I hope this uh, is not something that is far-reaching that we mean. We won't see it as an anomaly in a far 
too less of a time, and it means that other women will have the similar opportunity or a greater opportunity. And I think uh, Nancy Lieberman has coach, been the head coach, was the head coach of uh, the Dallas franchise in the D League. I believe she's done that. Yeah. Uh, I want to get a quote from Greg Popovich on, you know, his thoughts on Becky Hammond as coach. You know, quote, I don't even look at it as well. She's the first female this and that and the other. She sees a coach and she's good at it. I think some people thought this was some kind of gimmick or we were just trying to be cool. I'm glad she's there. I respect her opinion. I enjoy the give and take with her. And when she went to the summer league, that stuff's about development. That was her purpose at Summer League. And she, did a, she did a great job trying to make guys play the way we wanted them to play. End quote. The organization is, like where, is, is, is where it is for a reason. Yes. They are, they are head on and in front of everybody when it comes to making changes and getting some things done. And let's, let's say this two things. Male coaches have coached women basketball players for years. So that's, that never was a problem. Well, you know, and speaking okay. of your, your friend, but one for years, there's one woman who the majority of athletes, male athletes, across the board, said they were not who, who they would like to be coached by was Pat Summit. They have just the utmost respect for Pat Summit. So the championships, the wins, how she carried herself, conducted herself, the no nonsense way she coached her players. Majority, the majority of good players, they want to be coached. They want to be directed, taught what to do, right and wrong. Those crumbs who think they know everything, I don't have time for you. That's a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> and that was so. And our friend this morning, uh, Gino, mentioned that because the question was asked. He says he said basically what you what you just mentioned, but he said it more directly. When players walk, come, on, come, come to practice, they want to know that the person that's in front of them giving direction get them can get, make them better. And it doesn't matter if you're a screamer, a hollerer, or whatever. If you can get your point across as a people person first, and then they will get the coaching situation. They'll just understand and grab these say because that's what true athletes, that's what they do. It doesn't matter how you approach it. It's the fact that you Got an intern, uh, an, uh, 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 an end of the road result that everybody's gonna be happy with. So the male, female, coach, either side, it don't matter. If you don't have people skill, you can't get your point across, and it's not, and, and the player athletes are not, not, not feeling it, it ain't gonna happen. But if they got it going on, yeah. And that's why he says some coaches can do what he does in a practice and in a game, and some coaches can't. Right. And Chris and I have witnessed that up close. Not in practice, but we witnessed it up close in the game. Any thoughts? I'm going to shift gears again. Any thoughts on the U.S. men's soccer team losing to Jamaica? All right. I'm going to ask this question. Because when I saw that, why I, I love the way Jamaica plays and thought they played a tremendous game. The first thing Where you, U.S. men's soccer is trying to be. They cannot lose the gold cup. Now, and I have to add before I get off this. Okay, is the Panama Mexico game was a joke. There you go. Now, 
folks. That was horrible referee. Whether you agree with the it, call, the way that he went out, standing on the sideline instead of leaving the stadium, letting these folks throw everything on the field. That was just horrible. The man fell on the ball. It was obvious it was unintentional. I'm not even sure if his hand ever touched it because it was and, the backside of his back. And I wasn't and sure. He did that in the 80th, 90th middle to make that call. I, I wasn't oh. sure exactly what I saw. Oh. And I had to ask somebody. And the way he explained it to me, I'm still learning the game. It's, 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 it's not just watching, but I'm learning the game. He, 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 he couldn't get, yeah. He, he, he couldn't. Nobody oh, could. Um, and I asked two people, one that, that, that does high school and the other does college. But Mexico he, is playing some he told me that when situations arise like that on that level, he said, look elsewhere. And when he, and that's just the way he explained Now that. I understood. I understood that point. Going back to U.S. No, no, no. You know where I'm headed with this. Because Panama Football Federation president, Pedro Talua, believes his side's loss to Mexico was fixed. There you go. And has called on FIFA and CONCACAF. There you go. That's twice. At the Gold Cup. That's twice. That's twice. That's right. Now you want to go talk about you as a team. Go ahead, man. Because you and I both know. And remember, this is after just the other Hey, when the buddy got thrown in the game, now that, I love that. And, and, the, and, the, and the best part I like about that, nobody understood what was going on until after, the, uh, until after Black just kind of like looked up and like, oh, crap, I'm getting jumped. I'm getting dumped on. And then boom! That's the, the first money. time I ever been in any place, and I won't say I travel those kind of places <laughs> where the money goes down, and you see people run away from the money. And he basically said, "Where?" And then the next time he mouth was, "Where's my skirt?" I'm like, "Dude, your folks are sitting over there on the sideline for a reason. For a reason, they sitting over there out of the, out of the camera spot." Josie Alpsdor again sent home. Is it over for him? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I don't know, John. I don't know. It's not a good thing. I hope not. I think he was good. I actually seen his first uh, cap that he got that was actually right here in Houston where he scored the goal. Yeah. Knew at that time that he was going to be a fabulous player. Uh, he's had this spike. Obviously, had the injury that really let him down in terms of the World Cup. And mm-hmm. he fought so much and was playing a really decent soccer, great soccer in the middle of that run to the World Cup. And then to see him come back, do decently in the first matchup, did miss that uh, penalty kick that he played himself well to get. And then um, got sent home last week before that game against Jamaica. I was very surprised about that. And basically got really didn't put a lot of information on why he got sent home. So to, to me, that's something to follow as Klingsman is trying to make this next step. He really said he wanted the world with the gold cup. A lot of people said that was just so they can get that out of the way because Conquer Cap and Confederate yeah. Cup is really what they're chasing. And they've got so a friendly. I think it's going to be very interesting. And friendly is one thing. You know yeah, they've got one coming up. So I think when you really get into that Confederate Cup, that's when it's going to really be interesting to see, one, is Joseph back on the team and where this program is going before it might be trying to make another head coaching change. Well, let me ask this question, because this goes back to, when, to, to, to that, that match. When I saw the end result, and all, the first thing that came to my mind was, because well, the first thing was mentioned in the first two sentences was about the key. And was Howard not available for? Uh, yeah, when you played. He took a year off. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. He said that after the last he took a year off. So, yeah, he wasn't available. But still, you have a backup keeper. supposed to be but, a deal to win the Gold Cup. But the, the, limited, limited, no, the limited time I play a keeper, if, oh, you that, if you don't have support in front of you, <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> It's a meat problem. If you have limited help, this was like a this was a year ago. This, this is this is a year ago. That seriously, he if your defense in front of you was weak and you just getting blasted, blasted. <laughs> you only and this was in there. So many, this, this was in so many shots. USA defense through the whole Gold Cup, most of this year, yeah, it was has been shaky. Jamaica they took advantage of in that first half. Those five minutes got those two goals, and that was it. It was it. You know, and we all know well, you get you get two goals down. That you you talk about a, a comeback that ain't happening. On, on, on well, I don't know. They had some chances in the second half, but now plus Jamaica's goalie keeper was he was really shaky in the second half. But yeah, you know that he had the one ball that went off his hit, chest. Hit. Well, he well, hit the whole, yeah. well, I'm gonna ask this question: <laughs> Was he were they not able to take care of their business and all the during halftime? He was he, he was backup goalie, backup keeper, so he wasn't as that's true. The original yeah, starter, he wasn't able to get it, get his, uh, his, his his rejuvenation at halftime. I just know. You know, I'm just asking. Like you talking a little track and field? I'm not going to go there. We're going to wrap it up right there. Oh, you so close this out, man. Yeah. <laughs> now you're tossing rocks and Jamaican keepers and Jamaican players and stuff. Well, but now they're playing the Gold Cup final versus Mexico. Good luck to them. And I'm going to be rooting for Jamaica. Shout out to my coworker who's Mexico throwing bricks at us at work the last few days. Mexico, Mexico. <laughs> Whatever. I tell you what, Whatever. the track fellas better be happy. Because they got real hey, lucky. They need to be able to score without a, scoring on a penalty kick. Without some help. Is <laughs> real lucky. They got real lucky. You can tell them I said that they got real oh, he lucky. Listens, he listens to the bully to these podcasts. So wrap it up. How can folks find you, sir? You can find me at Facebook, Twitter, uh, JL Woodley1, Jerry Lee Woodley Jr. Uh, blogger, tweet deck, YouTube, SoundCloud, AKSV, DCSR, D College Sports Report. And my, uh, uh, I've got two more football days to, to, to head out. Lake, uh, Lake Charles next week is scheduled for the, uh, Southland. And the following week, I make the long trip to Newport, Rhode Island. And that's that's gonna be interesting. Have fun. That, oh, that's just, that, that's because he made it by himself the first time, and it was not a pretty sight. Oh, I enjoyed it. No, 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 no. Tell them what you did. It's rough getting there. There you go. The transportation part. I took the bus. <laughs> I took the, the Greyhound from. Yeah, that that no seller. Yeah, that no seller to, to, to the to the casino. I don't get that. That was the first thing I had in my mind. Like, what do you mean, no shuttle? No well, shuttle. There's a shuttle, depending on which way you go, but it only runs every three hours, and by the time I need to get there, it wasn't running. So, so yeah, it wasn't very conducive for the time I need to be there, in and out, playing, all kind of stuff. But, you know, it ain't ideal. It is what it is. Yeah. And it's a, it's a one day. Fortunately, come October, ain't going to be no concern. It's going to be there, ain't going to be in like, Orlando, Florida. All right. Before I get into this, I'm going to say Astros don't fall apart. Oh, please don't. Please don't. I hadn't had an opportunity to come out to see you play. No, we haven't said a lot about you, but we're trying. To make sure that yeah, that's that's fine. Y'all can get that another time. Whatever. 
No, but Doc, I get where you come from. So I'm just making sure that yeah. you know that we're yeah, we, covering it. Yeah, we, we, we thinking about, about Trust it. me, we ain't forgot tonight. Scott, but with that, I'll ready. be yeah. on the road next week as well. I'll be in Norfolk, Virginia, leaving Wednesday for the media day on Friday. That is the MEAC, the last of the four conferences uh, govern HBCU athletics. Um, we've got five of them already, but four of them, CIAASIC. SWAC and MEAC that uh, have football programs, so I'll be at the, the fourth and final one. And so I'm excited about that. But you can follow me on social media platforms Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. Again, it's D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. You can also f- catch me every Tuesday from 7 to 8 on KCH Radio. That's www.caseweightsradio.com. For those that like to listen live, that's 1230 a.m. Case 12:30 a.m. from 7 to 8 Central Standard Time. For Dr. Phil's Inside HBCU Sports Lab, Ryan McGinty, Mike Washington, and Charles Bishop. If you're not able to catch the show live, you can get it on podcasts, on SoundCloud, and Dr. Phil's Inside HBCU Sports Lab. Again, as we told you earlier in the podcast, here that you can go and get some in-depth interviews from Dora Sharp, Commissioner of the SWAC, as well as the new coach at Prairie View, Willie Simmons, talking about his inaugural season as he gets ready. You can talk to Daryl and listen to Daryl Asbury, coach of Texas Southern University, and John Gibbs Jr., last year's player of the year, this year's preseason player of the year going into it, an early watch list candidate for Ben L. Campbell Sr., Big Ben HBCU Football Award and will be going on December 2nd. That's Wednesday, December 2nd for the inaugural award. Excited about that, uh, announcing that this year. So watch for more information as it come. And uh, finally, listen to us uh, right here uh, as we do our thing. It's football season. When when were your, uh, when you start releasing your football polls? We're going to start releasing information in August. We're going to get through uh, these media days. Finish out with the special summer session podcast that we have going on with the summer session of Doctors Inside the HBC Sports Lab, the summer series where we talk about the business side of sports. It just makes dollars and cents. And we're bringing in professors from across the country that are talking about the business side of sports. That's everything from marketing, branding, organizational alignment. We got into some. Uh, different topics, so you can go to the videos inside each week SoundCloud get those as well. Very intriguing podcast on all those kind of things. Colonialism, and how that touches and affects big time collegiate sports. Professors that have written books everywhere from University of Georgia, Texas A&M. We have some professors out there giving some big time information. Uh, Professor Florida State, North Florida, Shenandoah, so all sports management programs Across the country, and one last thing: Rice was picked second in the West, and Lottech is picked to finish first ahead of them. Uh, they've got their championship game scheduled for December, December fifth this year. To at the uh, see high even coming to say it's playing on December fifth. Big Twelve. <laughs> yes, Rice playing big championship game. Well, hey, say that again. Swag Championship game is on December Once again, another <laughs> conference planning on December 5th, Big 12. Which is why colleague Dr. Cavill said, what? Irrelevant. Y'all are irrelevant. 
Thank you very much. I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube. Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram. Catch me on Twitter at VHR Review. You can listen to our podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Pod Directory. Um, go to our Facebook page, KG Fifth Water Wildcat and Doc Facebook page, and ask us questions. I'm sure get, might as well get ready to prepare for the uh, response we're gonna get from the rocks we're throwing at the Big Twelve. Being irrelevant, bring it on. You should make the final four. Exactly, just become relevant. That's all. Simple as that. Oklahoma, Texas, you need to start kicking ass. Become relevant. There you go. Simple as that. Become relevant again. Gentlemen, thank you as always for your time and your insight. Listeners, thank you for spreading the word about the podcast. Once again, we're reaching out there across the globe, honestly. Seriously. Yeah. Thanks we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't figure that out. You're not, you're, you're, so, we need to figure that out. We're on, on the other side. And don't, and don't forget about uh, we still going to have plans to get the T-shirts. Yeah. So we're going to get those as well. On the way. So, as always, thank you very much for your time, listeners, and spread the word. To folks who haven't heard the KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast, I'm gonna wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.